Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, the impact of a taxed working memory on procrastination. With us for this topic tonight is uh, in our virtual studios, Elaine Taylor-Kloss. I'm anxious to get into the show, but before we do, real quickly, our program is being brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. In celebration of that event, we are anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. Uh, to get yours, just listen to our show. We'll repeat a secret word a couple times through the show. Write it down. Listen to another show. Uh, tune into the secret word. Write that down. Send me an email. The email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When I get that, we'll forward that on to Chad, and we will get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine, and they will send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it is printed. Um, we have a little tip that we're going to run um, from Chad, and then we'll get into the show. Need to find evidence-based information on ADHD? Chad's ADHD Information Library has got you covered with articles, books, videos, podcasts, webinars, and more, and many of them are free to the public. All resources are identified by audience. So, for example, you can quickly find books for children, podcasts for parents, articles for adults, videos for educators, and webinars for healthcare professionals. Search the library at chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. Okay, so tonight's show is um, – I'm particularly of interest. I've got Elaine Taylor-Claus here. We're talking about the impact of tax working memory on procrastination and really want to illustrate this in kind of vivid terms so people can get a little bit of an understanding of it. Uh, Elaine is great an individual um, as a parent coach to kind of help illustrate this. And uh, Elaine, for decades, uh, she has struggled as a mom in an ADHD++ family of five. But after she discovered that a coach approach dramatically helped her and her kids and the entire family, she co-founded the first ever virtual parents coaching support organization for parents of complex kids, ImpactADHD.com. In 2020, ImpactADHD.com expanded to become ImpactParents.com, reflecting the broad range of parents supported in the first decade, parents of complex kids challenged with ADHD, anxiety, learning disabilities, and more. An award-winning online resource and blog for parents, for professionals, Impact Parents provides coaching, training, uh, support around the globe. Elaine has served as a parent advisor for the Academy of Pediatrics and on the National Board of CHAD, where she continues to serve in their public policy committee. Um, 
Elaine is truly amazing. She's got several books out. I encourage you to check that out. Best place to do that is at her website, impactparents.com. And with that, Elaine, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's always great to be here. Always love having you on. So I know that um, our world is very appearance-based. We take a look at a situation and we, we judge it based on how it appears. And often what's really going on is really kind of invisible. And I really wanted to have you on our show today to talk about the impact of working memory on procrastination and give some tangible examples of how this plays out into the world because often I find that what looks like a focus problem is a focus problem, but the issue is just not the focus. It's actually the challenge of working memory. And, um, you know, we've talked about this a little bit before, and, and everybody out there, working memory, the definition of it is the ability to hold thoughts in your mind while organizing and sequencing them without forgetting what they are. And so I read that definition. Say that again. Kind of, Say that again, Jeff, because work. it's so it's so hard to process it. It's so important to get it. Oh my God! Everybody hear what she said. It's so hard to process <laughs> that. So again, working memory is the ability to hold thoughts in your mind while organizing and sequencing them without forgetting what they are. Yep. Okay. And the best okay. example I have for that is is long division. Because <laughs> <Right? laughs> everybody learned long division at some point, right? And it's it's like you got to hold it and remember we used to put the hash mark to put it down because that helped you memory, remember that you were carrying a number. Yep. One of the things that I've, I've, I do a lot of presenting on working memory, and I've done some things with you and Parent Palooza, et cetera. One of the things I do with my clients is I, I read five words to them and ask them to repeat them back to me in alphabetical order. It's like teacher, zebra, kangaroo, bumblebee, hippopotamus. And believe it or not, just those five words, half the time people forget a word or they don't get the order correctly. And again, right. what I loved about the beginning of this is I read the definition and you're like, wait a second, this is hard to process. When I use this, I call it an attention exercise where I give people the words, I put them in experience because it's easier for them to see it in their head. But working memory is interesting. There's two sides. One, there's visual imagery, the ability to visualize it. And in a sense, Elaine, when I was reading it, you had to stop effortly, try to visualize what I was talking about. Exactly. And then there's the other side of working memory, which is nonverbal Um Nonverbal talk, that is basically self-talk. We all talk, but mostly we talk in our head. We think in our head. And with working memory, with people with ADHD, this is a bit of a challenge. And I submit a lot of times people are procrastinating when it's just too much. So I gave that example of five words, or you're talking about long division. Imagine if it's like 10 words or really, really hard long division. Now it's very effortful, and all we want to do is escape. Does that right. resonate with you? Yeah, totally resonates with me. You know, we we you and I've been talking about this a lot this this year, and the more I think about it, the more it makes sense, right? Because it's not it's not just I mean, what you said a little while ago was it's not that it's not a focus issue. It's just it's what's causing the issue. Yep. And what's causing the issue is the working memory, and that's really what you're pointing to. And one of the genesis of this show is I talk about this all the time, but I literally was coaching somebody the other day who, who texted me an experience. 
And I was talking about procrastination, and I was trying to say the root of it is working memory ambiguity issue. And working memory is the ability to juggle thoughts in your mind, but it's also a booting up thing, um, also the ability to retrieve knowledge. Like if you're going to pack for a trip, you have to begin to retrieve what you need to take for the trip. And often people have a visual movie run in their head and they visualize that stuff and as they go through that movie in their mind it triggers oh it's going to be cold i gotta get a jacket or i've got to get a tuxedo it's that visual imagery that helps them recall things so Mm -hmm. in an environment again literally i'm coaching an individual who's home right now and working having difficulty and one day they began to realize is that they were sitting at their computer and they were going through like a some type of protocol there was like step one two three four or whatever it was and they got to step three and in that moment, they blanked out. They weren't able to visualize what was going on, and they couldn't think of step three. And she realized in that moment, oh, my God, I've got to text somebody. It's very effortful for her now to go find whatever step three was. But she uh-huh. reflected back when she was in office that it happened before, and she just reached over to a coworker and said, hey, what's this? And they said, it's this. And she said, within two seconds, I was back to my task. And the reason I'm I'm bringing this up, it's having somebody in the room where you're working with them and you hit that wall of ambiguity, the writer's block, or you can't recall or you can't visualize to recall a step or procedure when you reach over and you mention something and somebody answers you within two seconds. You can keep going. It's like seamless. You just kind of keep going. But when you're by yourself – now it's effortful. Oh my God, this could take 15 minutes. It could be take an hour. It's very, very disruptive. And it's in those moments I find people with ADHD escape to something else because they don't really yeah. know where to go. It looks well, like the focus. Yeah, go ahead. Let me give you a, a really good modern example because everybody's trying to work from home right now at, at the moment that we're recording this, right? Yep. And in my company, we've been working from home for 10 years. We're a virtual company. We've got, you know, people all over the world. And so one of the ways we address this issue, and I've never really thought about it until you just said it that way, is we keep a chat up. Everybody on the team has a chat up all day long. And so if I need something quick, if I need a link to something or give me an email address or something, I can throw it in the chat. It's like reaching to my my colleague in the next room. I get it, I get it back, and I can keep moving because the the bane of my existence is trying to find something. Like it makes mm-hmm. me crazy if I can't find something. But with that, it's almost like we keep the team in one place by all sharing this, uh, whatever it is, a G-chat or whatever it is, um, and it allows us to, to support each other's the short-term, that quick memory issue so we can keep moving. But I never realized that's what we were doing. So let's just take this a step further is in the old days, like I know, Lane, in your office, you've got a bunch a bookcase with a bunch of books behind you. And mm-hmm. when you look at a bookcase, books have different colors. They have different shapes. And you come to associate like certain information with – like I was coaching a guy one time who had Bank of America written on a binder. And it was difficult because he had to stop and read the word Bank of America and visually right. create the visual image in his mind to associate it with the bank. And that was very effortful. What we did is we put a logo of the Bank of America so he didn't have to build that imagery in his mind. So what's interesting is when you, when you go onto your computer and you have like – whether it's uh, – Google Drive or whatever, you just have the names of files. 
there's no color coding, there's no logo. So now you have to stop and effortly think about what's going on or think about where would it be filed, where if you look at your bookcase, you see a color, you see there's an association. It speeds up the working memory. And in the moment of your computer, that's when you escape. Again, technically it's a focus problem, but it's basically because your working memory is overloaded. It requires too much thinking. Making some right. sense. You have to stop. It's sort of what I said at the beginning. You have to stop and process it. And I'm laughing as you're saying this because I was being interviewed by somebody yesterday who also has books in the background. And I looked and I realized that she has her books color-coded. Like, mm-hmm. literally, there's the yellow books, there's the blue books, and she took my book. She's like, it's going in the white section. And yep. I was cracking up because it would never in my life occur to me to organize books by color. But for her, that's how her brain works, and that's how she's able to find them. <laughs> for Absolutely. me, I do it by concept, right? Yep. Absolutely. I know so, where my parenting books are, my coaching books are, you know, whatever. Absolutely. So I tell you what, I want to go to break, but before I do, I want to make a statement. I think you've heard this, Elaine. A Dr. Thomas Brown, I believe, once said, as the need for independent work goes up, ADHD productivity goes down. Ooh. I'm going to repeat that. As the need for independent work goes up, ADHD productivity goes down. Now, we're going to come back from the break. I want to talk about that in a little bit more detail. Everyone, our secret word tonight is the word text. And you've got to check out Elaine's website at impactparents.com. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Do you worry when your child is left out? Does your child have trouble making and keeping friends? Life skills can be challenging for ADHD kids. Learn how you can be your child's greatest ally by reading the book Ned Hollowell described as a game changer, Michelle Borba referred to as the ultimate guide for parents, and Michael Thompson praised as the groundbreaking book you've been waiting for. Go to playbetterplan.com to buy a copy of Caroline McGuire's book, Why Will No One Play With Me? While you're there, subscribe to download her free mini course on developing social skills for children. That's playbetterplan.com. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Elaine Taylor-Kloss, and what my goal today is in the show is really to illuminate the role working memory plays in our world. It looks like it's a focus problem or procrastination problem, but sometimes we're actually solving for the wrong thing. And we've been going through some tangible examples to see if we can help you guys visualize what we're talking about here, because often people are 
are focused sometimes on the wrong thing, like uh, organizing file folders on your computer might be one thing, but you can begin to realize if you've got to stop and read something and visualize it. There's a lot of effort and a lot of work associated with that, and it's very, very tedious. People with ADHD really kind of escape. And before the break, I quoted um, Dr. Thomas Brown, um, a thing that he said that really resonated. As the need for independent work goes up, ADHD productivity goes down. And in the example I had explained earlier where the woman had forgot a step in a procedure and she just leaned over to somebody, I often hear people say, I got to be held accountable. And there are some times where people are falling up, but I find a lot of times just having a body double in the room. And it's invisible because in those moments where you hit that writer's block or you have a working memory problem, you turn. And this thing happens so quickly, most people don't recognize it. I did an interview with Ari Tuckman not that long ago that people are a great ADHD strategy just to bounce and get things when you need it. Does that make sense to you? And everybody, I, I focus on adults. Elaine does a lot of work with parents and kids. We're kind of covering the whole gamut. But, I mean, do you see this play out yourself? Oh, no question. And, and I'm laughing because when you, you stated that quote and you read it twice before the break, right? There's a need for independent work goes up, and I started writing it down. By the time we went to break, I couldn't remember the second part. <laughs> and so I had ADHD blank goes down, and then I filled it in later. And that's kind of what we're talking about, right, is that I got it, I understood it, but I couldn't, I didn't, I couldn't retain it quickly long enough for mm-hmm. me to, to, to capture it in writing. And I think I see that happen with families and kids all the time. Parents will say to me, is it normal? Should I have to sit with my kids for them to do their work? And, and, you know, on the one hand, no, you shouldn't have to, and we want to help them learn strategies. But sometimes they do need another person there, as you're talking about a body double. They need something else to kind of reinforce or to, to trigger them back or to to bring them back to attention when they get distracted. Sometimes another person, it may happen when you're by yourself by looking up and you notice something and that reminds you when you go back. But when there's another person or another body there, it can really help you redirect yourself. And I I don't Mm -hmm. like holding yourself accountable because there sounds like there's almost a little judgment in there. And really what I want to shift it to is, it's normal and natural for all of us to get distracted, to get to, to pull off. To the, the idea is to recognize it and redirect ourselves. And what we want to learn for ourselves and to learn for our kids is to help not to make ourselves wrong for, for the yep. distraction, but to help ourselves redirect back to, to get back on task without judging and, ourselves for it. And, and, and to that thing, one of the times I'm trying to do in this show is a little bit is try to rewrite that narrative because you say yeah. I'm distracted by this. And I'd, I'd argue is that it's not always a distraction. Sometimes it's just it's so punitive to my working memory. All I want to do is escape. And if, if you're listening mm-hmm. to this and you problem solve for the working memory, okay – it will make it easier. So you described earlier that you have chat up instant. So while you don't have somebody to turn to and ask the question, you, you text them through this instant chat and you get that answer. And so it, it doesn't allow you to want to escape, which looks like you're distracted. The issue really is working memory. And my hope is that uh-huh. we can eliminate this and we can also get past this procrastination to me is a reflexive response where you – emotionally judge yourself and you don't go through the thinking process and say, Hey, wait a second. It's not procrastination. I just don't know the answer. 
and it's a lot of work to go get it right now, so I'm going to do something else to be more productive. When you start to think yeah. in those terms, rewriting the narrative in your mind, and you say, hey, it's legitimate that I'm doing this. The issue really is you've got to problem solve. So in this situation, you've got to problem solve for the working memory, and I realize out there that what I'm describing might make a lot of sense, and the world, there's a lot of pressure to go into a digital form, but more and more when I'm working with people, I'm finding that these digital tools, sometimes they can help you, but sometimes they're actually creating a problem, which goes back to the interview that I did with Dr. Russell Barkley. You can just Google attention dog radio GPS, and after him talking about his theory and him talking about what I do, we got to the end and concluded paper is a high-tech solution for people with ADHD. Yeah, so, well, you and I talked about that one as well. And I yep. actually just had this conversation with a client yesterday who was a, a younger younger adult who was realizing, and, and we had this conversation about ambiguity because I realized he wasn't he was trying to get himself to go get a job, and it was not interesting, it wasn't boring, but he wasn't really clear what was going to happen. And when we we were able to sort of get the process articulated really clearly so he knew what to anticipate and he knew what was going to happen, and then he could capture it on paper because that was important for him to see the bigger picture, then it didn't feel so daunting anymore, and, and he was much more inclined to do it. Absolutely. So part of it was about understanding motivation. Part of it about was about getting clear on what to expect. So I want to kind of wrap that in here too, is if you've got to do – if you've got – like if I'm giving somebody those five words, teacher, zebra, kangaroo, bumblebee, and you've got to repeat them in alphabetical order, but I give somebody 15, okay, it's just overwhelming to think about it. And people say, well, that person's not motivated. Well, no, it's just overwhelming. If you made it less overwhelming or easier for the person to think, they might actually do it because the issue to me is it's not that they're not motivated – they're just at that moment motivated to escape to go do something else because it's so effortful. Well, and I, I would say they're back. more motivated to escape than they are yeah. to the task. Exactly. And so when I when I used motivation there, I wasn't saying that they're not motivated to do it. I was saying that part of how we get ourselves to do anything, part of it is what you're saying is getting clear, and part of it is understanding what our motivation is and making and, make, getting really clear about it because when he realized he's motivated to go get a job so he can move out of his parents' house, you know, that's yep. a very different conversation yep. than yep. I don't feel like going to apply for a job. Absolutely. So I want to come back and I want to relate this to some Internet-based solutions and kind of talk about why sometimes that stuff doesn't work. Um, and going to the break, everybody, our, our, work, our secret word tonight is taxed, and you have to check out imparents. Uh, Dot com to check out Elaine's stuff. She's got a lot of great stuff, a new book that's out. And so with all that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) 
Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay, do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Elaine Taylor-Kloss, and uh, I hope that our conversation today is helping you get uh, able to visualize, use your visual imagery to understand uh, more more clearly the role working memory plays and why it is often the epicenter of some of the ADHD challenges. And often I think we're trying to problem solve for the appearance as opposed to what's really kind of going on. Um, well, and can, and can I just tweak that in some yeah. ways? It's like we're problem solving for the solution we want instead of starting by looking at what's causing the problem in yep. the first place. Absolutely. So one of the things that I, I want to demonstrate is that when you go out into the world, one of the popular things is if you're procrastination, you need to chunk it down. Now, here's the yeah. thing. That's a, that's a tip, a trick, a strategy, or whatever, but in isolation, that becomes a problem because you've got to use visual imagery in order to break it down. What I found is like when, we, when I talked about the packing uh, situation, I'm going to pack for a trip. Um, often some people can pack because they will use visual imagery to imagine the trip. And as they go through that trip, they see things that help them cue what they need to take. Understand that they're not learning anything new. They're just trying to retrieve knowledge. When I'm sitting with somebody and I ask them, oh, really, you're going back to college. What do you need to do? I need to get school supplies. I need to get supplies for my apartment. Notice I just asked a question. It enabled them to chunk that down. Then I say, okay, so what do you need for school? And then they talk for a little bit. What else do you need? Okay, what in technology? Recognize the vagueness of my questions. However, I'm asking those things, and it kind of narrows things from an infinite number of possibilities and enables them to draw that out. So one of the things that I find is that people say, I need to go chunk it down, but they go off by themselves. And basically, yes, chunking it down is really good. It removes ambiguity, but you need to use visual imagery and you're having some difficulty with it. Whereas if you're with somebody else and you just have them ask you questions, what do you need to do? So like a lot of times in a coaching conversation, I'll just ask some questions and say, do you see how within minutes you were able to gain some clarity in all this. And my point really is, is that, again, as independent work decreases, productivity, I mean, as the need for independent work increases, productivity decreases because people with ADHD lose these natural structures that are there. And it can even be like the parent at the dining room table. What is it you need to get done today? Really, how long do you think that's going to take? Asking those questions helps the person with ADHD chunk it down, but this is invisible. We don't think about this. It's not in the, the self-help section of the bookstore. And again, the point really here is to illuminate that this is a very real problem. So I want to get your thoughts and does this make sense to you? Yeah, well, and it, yeah, it absolutely makes sense. And, and what I would add is that not only does, it, does asking questions help to illuminate and help people um, chunk it down, but what it what enables them to do that is it helps them take ownership of the concept or the product or the problem in the first place. So when you ask a question, say, what are the, what are the options or what might you do or what are the choices for you, it's no longer you telling them what to do, which we mm-hmm. all tune, tune out. 
when you, when someone asks you a question and you start thinking about the answer for yourself, you take an ownership of it that's different. And mm-hmm. so then it becomes, oh, this is mine. What are my options? What might I do? What and and it, you know, a kid if you're doing it as a parent to a kid may not know yet. And so the, you know, a parent might say, well, when the kid says I don't know and this is one of parents' biggest complaints is they ask questions and the kids say I don't know. So the goal isn't to interrogate them. It's to raise the question so the kid can ponder it and think about it. And so the, if they say, I don't know, then you you can say something like, it's really okay. I, I understand you may not know. I have some thoughts. Would you like to hear them? That's another question. But it's still inviting them to invite you to share with them. So, so you're you're trying to transfer ownership to your kids in this process as well. It, well, it is, but... What, I'm going to go a little bit deeper because we're right back to working there. When you ask your kid about something and they go, I don't know, I can translate mm-hmm. that as I don't want to do the work to go through the visual imagery to come up with a picture to answer the question. It's, and when too, you hard go, to, it's too hard. Let's just it, – like, yes. it just feels too hard. Absolutely. And remember, right. if you're dealing with a 16-year-old, you're not dealing with a mature uh, adult – adult brain. So then when you go, would you be okay if I share some thoughts? And the kid says yes. And then you paint a picture. Now you've given them a template, like where to start. And you've taken exactly. the work out of working memory with regard to this. And again, our focus today on the show is really, I like to illuminate this a lot of times. We think it's a focus issue and it's really a working memory. And if you change your mindset and you start to solve for that working memory problem, all of a sudden stuff makes all kinds of sense in the world and you can problem solve for it. Now, there's some challenges in the world with regard to technology and stuff, but in this COVID environment, I'm getting emails left and right from people in school, and they're just struggling, and, and they want tips, tricks, and strategies. And it's like, oh, my God, if you could just have somebody else in the room, that when you have something to talk out loud about, some, sometimes nonverbal working memory is, is self-talk. Sometimes people with ADHD just need to say it. They'll talk out loud to somebody for five minutes and solve their own problem. The inability to not to speak to somebody directly, not simulate that, and it inhibits their ability to think. And so fundamentally, again, just having somebody in the room to look over at and talk, sometimes it's so natural because it's environmental. People don't realize that's really what mm-hmm. comes forward. And, and, and another reason to highlight this is if you don't if you don't understand working memory and you're not really problem solving, you're dealing with the symptoms and you're kind of spinning your wheels a little bit. It goes back to if you know you need to chunk it down and you're by yourself and you don't have somebody to talk to and you're just trying to create that visual imagery, you kind of set yourself up for failure. But if you understand what's going on, you go to somebody, can you ask me some questions so that I can figure this stuff out? You've taken that burden off and it makes it so so much easier for somebody with ADHD to think, and then it doesn't look like a focus issue because the person's getting stuff done. So, so here's what's coming up as I'm listening to you, and it's, it's really interesting because I've been noticing in the world of COVID that I'm kind of missing conversation because a lot of what happens on these Zoom calls is one person talks, then another person talks, then another person talks, but that natural banter of conversation gets lost often and because of the nature of the technology. And what you're describing is is kind of what happens in conversation. If you've ever been in a conversation where you didn't really know what you thought about something until you had a conversation, and then somebody says something and it bounces off that and something else, and then all of a sudden you have this clarity about what you think that you didn't even know before you had the conversation. Yeah. And it's because you need to bounce off to be able to 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 sort of crystallize your own thoughts. 
So <clears throat> one of the things I talk about brainstorming, but let's take it to a conversation. So long story, I had a car years ago that had a couple hundred thousand miles. I needed a year from now I was going to get rid of it, but it was ripping my seat net because I'd driven it so much. Yeah. And I was trying to solve for the problem. I, I went to get seat covers at Discount Auto Parts, and it, it, it just didn't work. And I went to get uh, – the price to reupholster the, the seat. And I had to do the front two seats so they'd match. It was $900 a seat. So it was an $1,800 solution. The car's probably worth $2,500. And I was stuck. And I called this brainstorming, but I was with somebody one time just bitching about it. And they said, too bad you can't get something like that at a garage sale. Now it's interesting because that garage sale, there was an association between garage sale and junkyard that came into my head. It, my working right. memory took that thing in and I actually went to the computer searched in Tampa for a junkyard and you could get the seats for $126. And, and the problem really is, is in that process of retrieving and thinking through stuff and that working memory, that conversation sometimes elicits words and associations that take you to new things. And this is so, so important with people with ADHD. And the problem is, is we got it. We have to understand that mindset to build that environment. Cause if we don't, we're going to end up being in isolation, and you're making it so much more difficult. And all you want to do at that well, point in time. Yeah, you don't want to get stuck with your own thoughts, right? Yes. right? Like you, you want to be in a world where your thoughts have a chance to mingle with other people's thoughts and then come back to you because that's how we learn and figure things out. And, and it's kind of one of the dangers of COVID is, is the isolation is making it harder for people to interact. And interaction is where we learn and grow and move forward and all of that. Yeah. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to reiterate, it's where we learn and grow because it's the most efficient. Yeah. Learning on your own. Like, like we have teachers. Teachers are supposed to make learning easy. If not, we wouldn't have teachers. And so the point really is, is with your opinion, it accelerates the learning process. It cuts the cycle time down. And the more we move to self-learning, it's just, it's just, it's kind of funny. It's like one time, I, I called up like Bank of America one time. They said, it's on my website. And I'm like, listen, I don't want to get my PhD in Bank of America. Can you just give me the answer? And it's funny when you say that, because I don't know about you, but I go to the website sometime. I'm looking for something. It's never named what I think it is. It's intuitively not in the no, right place. It. Exhausted. It's like killing me trying to visualize where it is. It, anyway, I, not to go on, but. Yeah, the, we can the, go on. Well, but, but I'll, here's what I'll t say, because as you're saying that, it's reminding me of how much my kids and, and a lot of the clients I'm dealing with, part of what these kids are struggling with in this environment is having to learn independently because they don't have the interaction. And, you know, I, I can think about the number of times that my son has come to me and said, well, I had to teach myself all of that. You know, and he's proud of himself for it, but it's also really frustrating because that's kind of not what we're looking for in our kids' education. We we need the interactivity, mm -hmm. and that's really what you're talking about is that it's the interactivity that triggers the mind or helps remember or helps us reconnect to the working memory. It's to, to boil it all down, if you focus on making it less cumbersome for your working mind. In other words, if you make it easier for you to yeah. yes, to think, particularly when you're manipulating information, it's so much easier to stay on task. When it mm -hmm. gets hard, then you escape. Now, there are certain things that are always going to be a draw that are distraction, but the point really is there's a balance here. 
Number one, try to remove some of the temptations. But even if they're there, if you don't do something about the working memory, it's it's going to be difficult. And again, self-learning, if, maybe you can learn in eight hours, but if you could get on the phone with somebody and do it in 10 minutes, doesn't that make a hell of a lot more sense? It's so much more efficient. So anyway, for time purposes, we need to kind of pull this together. I hope that we've kind of we've, – those that are listening kind of get this point and the invisibility of this. It's not always a focus issue. Focus on the working memory challenge. There's a lot to it, and, and what works for one person is, is different from another. But if you begin to do this, and I know interactive is one of my main things, and I, we've talked about this, it can relieve so much. So with that, mm-hmm. any last comments before we close this out? Yeah, just just give yourself the space whether it's for you or for your kids or whoever you're working with is 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 whenever you're trying to problem solve for for something always go back and ask yourself what's the source of the problem in the first place before you get to the solution start with looking at well what's really causing the problem in the first place and i don't mean my add is causing the problem it's like where what piece of it is this ambiguity is this boredom is this too much effort like if you can get clear on what the real problem is then your problem solving is going to be much more effective so i loved how you said the end of the day you have to pause and you have to think about what the source is. There's some ambiguity there where to look, and that's why we always emotionally jump and just label ourselves lazy or procrastinator. What right. I'm hoping today is we were able to articulate this so that you have a target, so you have a visual picture, so that you won't emotionally jump to the end, so that you'll stop and you'll actually begin to think about the source in terms of working memory. And then you'll get there. So in a sense, my goal, I think, Elaine, I loved how you teed this up, is to give everybody a visual imagery of what's taking place so you don't have to work so hard to get to the source. And again, it's when you have that emotional reaction and you jump to the end and you don't think about that. That's working memory to think through this. So we hope we kind of made it a little bit easier for you guys to think. Make sense? Absolutely. That was one of the best wrap-ups to the show I've had. So thank you so much for tuning that up. So anyway, Elaine, always a pleasure having you on the show. I always learn so much. Me too, Jeff. I love being with you. It was great. All right, everybody. The work, our, our secret word tonight is taxed. Again, taxed. And uh, you've got to check out Elaine's website, impactparents.com. With that, we hope you learned something. Catch us next week for another great edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care. <laughs>